It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Is it really still recently that we found out that Ivanka Trump has been using her private email account to send government documents? It seems so long ago. It seems so long ago that her father was leading chance of lock her up about Hillary Clinton for using a private email server. So, of course, President Trump was very upset about the news of his own daughter doing what he's been calling for Hillary Clinton to be locked up. And he immediately demanded that the Department of Justice investigate. Hillary Clinton, that is. Yes, he demands that the Department of Justice investigate Hillary Clinton. Look, not that it's news that Donald Trump and his entire family are completely full of shit. And this whole idea of lock her up was just basically selling snake oil to the brain dead. We've talked about Trump doing the same thing. Trump just recently using his iPhone where he was told not to do that. So, okay, they're full of shit. The good news here is that the GOP seems to have discovered nuance. Yes, a political party that was incapable of understanding nuance and and small distinctions suddenly discovers nuance when it comes to finding out all the ways that what Ivanka did is so different than what Hillary did. Well, anyway, here at Forward Nation Radio, I, David Levithal, am all about nuance, the extent that I can be. A lot to discuss on today's show. Thank you for joining us. But first, a hello and goodbye to begin the show. In with the new, welcome to the world, Samuel Nathan. Happy birthday, literally. Good luck. Don't blame me for the world you're going to be growing up in. And along with the on the way in, we have the on the way out. Uh, Former President George H.W. Bush just passed away, and all of the encomiums have started. Well, we don't want to get in the way of all that. We don't want to remind people that in getting elected by telling the American public, read my lips, no new taxes... He was telling one of the biggest lies on a presidential campaign not uttered by someone named Trump. We will be churlish if we talk about the fact that his Willie Horton ad to get elected was one of the most blatant dog whistles called to racism that we've seen. No, we won't churlishly talk about those things because the fact is George H.W. Bush, despite being a liar, despite using racism to get elected, was clearly the best the GOP has had to offer since at least Eisenhower in the 1950s. That's right. Look at every Republican president we have had since Eisenhower. In other words, for most of our listeners, before your grandparents were born. And think, yep, this was basically the cream of the crop. How ironic it is to look and think about how George H.W. Bush's legacy is so going to be burnished by his own son, his own offspring. Yes, it was Boy George and his presidency that made us think back more fondly on his father's presidency. By being, at least up until recently, but 
perhaps even with the current president. Boy George, let's not forget, was probably about the worst president this country has ever had. Maybe the single worst president this country has ever had. So yes, when we talk about the good old days when we had leaders in the GOP like George H.W. Bush, it's in large part owing to his son and how much even worse we've gotten since then. Anyway, the week started off kind of innocently enough with GM announcing it's going to lay off thousands of workers and really getting under Donald Trump's skin. Well, GM, Mary Barra, CEO of GM, you have learned this week that you do not mess with Trump. Well, unless you're a brutal Russian dictator, you do not mess with Trump. Unless you are a brutal Russian dictator, more on that in a minute, you do not mess with with Trump. Or, I guess... A 30-something-year-old uh, brutal North Korean dictator with a bad haircut um, who, who murders his political... Okay, unless you are a murderous Russian or North Korean dictator, you do not mess... Well, I guess or a Russian mobster. Um, R- Russian mobsters have, have obviously been, been really uh, messing with our president. Um, so, unless you are a Russian or North Korean brutal dictator or a Russian mobster... Oh, I guess brutal dictators, we should be talking about brutal dictators of Saudi Arabia, who who is clearly uh, screwing with the president of the United States. Okay, so unless you are a brutal dictator who murders your political opponents, opponents and journalists from, for instance, Russia, North Korea, or Saudi Arabia, or a Russian mobster, you do not mess with... Or China, I guess. China's kind of been fucking with the president for a while. Unless you are a brutal dictator from pretty much anywhere in the world, a Russian mobster, okay, tie that in with money laundering bankers, sure. Uh, And China, you do not mess with the Donald. Uh, I I guess if you're a lawyer for adult film actresses, you you kind of... All right, fine. So let's face it. Everybody can screw with the Donald. You know... Everybody does screw with Donald. You, you know what's interesting is Trump makes believe he's really upset about the loss of jobs that GM's announcement. You, you, you know, the one group that couldn't actually fuck with the president, who we really could use right now, unions. Wouldn't it be nice if we had some unions to fight back against GM? Damn it! They're the one people Trump was able to beat. Crap. Uh, anyway, uh... You know who else manages to mess with the president of the United States other than, you know, pretty much everybody? Special counsel, apparently. Yeah, special counsel Robert Mueller seems to be really screwing with our president. That bastard. Yes, the week started off innocently enough, but it has really picked up in the last few days. Although, you know, it was even a few days ago that we found out about Paul Manafort. Yes, he who had turned and was cooperating with the special counsel turns out wasn't cooperating oh so much in other words according to Trump he's way more of a hero than we thought he was for a while may explain why Trump didn't really turn on him even when it appeared that Manafort had turned on Trump very unusual for Donald Trump well it turns out that Manafort apparently wasn't telling the truth to the special counsel uh oh 
Better hope that pardon deal has been set in stone. Good luck with you, Paul Manafort, trusting Donald Trump's word, because you are clearly relying on a pardon at this point. Not only was he lying to the special counsel, violating the agreement that they made for lessened sentence, but it turns out that he was spying for the president of the United States. They were lawyers were going in and talking to the special counsel, then wandering to the White House and informing the White House what the special counsel was doing. You know, an important legal strategy, as Rudy Giuliani would have it. I mean, they may not even need the new attorney general if they have spies in Mueller's own camp, uh, in Mueller's own camp among witnesses like Manafort. I mean, wasn't that supposed to be the attorney general's job to be spying for President Trump? Gosh, we do have a lot of spies, don't we? Uh, turns out Paul Manafort, again, the guy's a liar. What were the odds? Is there nothing we can believe in anymore when someone, an upstanding American citizen like Paul Manafort is lying, trying to undermine this country and the rule of law, undoubtedly with the hope of the promise of a pardon from a criminal president of the United States. Yes, we've seen examples of personal responsibility, once again, GOP style. Remember, Personal responsibility is something for poor people and black people. It's never for wealthy white people. Anyway, even the whole Manafort thing got wiped from the front pages before it had seen its due by the revelation that Michael Cohen has entered a deal with the independent counsel. Michael Cohen, Trump's longtime consigliere, his longtime family lawyer, you know, the guy Trump's now describing as an incompetent and a jackass or whatever else. You know, the, the guy he hired and had as his right man, right hand man for a dozen years or so. And, you know, why not? Trump has a history of hiring incompetence, liars and criminals. So it's all perfect. That's probably the reason he hired him. But anyway, as part of Cohen's plea deal and make no mistake, this is a huge Huge, big deal. Those of you who are inclined to think that the media is exaggerating this and maybe don't even understand what's going on. As part of this plea deal, Cohen walked into court and immediately told the court that the president of the United States is a criminal. Talked about how Trump was involved in the Trump Tower meeting that he had long denied being involved in, but we all knew he was involved in. He also went in and told the court how much self-dealing Trump was doing while on the campaign trail trying to deal with Russia. What's ironic about all this is that Donald Trump has already now been implicated by his right-hand man in a crime that was one of the counts of impeachment against Richard Nixon, obstructing an investigation by making witnesses lie, by having witnesses lie. You have to look at the blatant criminality of the behavior that our current president has allegedly been engaging in and think, how did he think he could get away with this? How could you be this blatant a criminal and get away with it? And we're not just talking using email here. Well, as we've talked about a lot of the show, I think that comes down to a couple of things. One, the super rich are never held accountable. The whole concept to Donald Trump that he might be accountable for anything simply does not compute. 
He, like his brethren, have never been held account to account for anything. We are reminded with the passing of former President H. George H.W. Bush that his son apparently committed at least three felonies that we know of and got away with it. In many parts of this country, not only would he have gone to prison, but he wouldn't have been able to vote for president after that, let alone be president. But this is the super rich. They don't play in the same world we play in. They play in a world, as Leona Helmsley famously said, only poor people pay taxes, not rich people. But also, this is an indication, I think, that Donald Trump never, ever imagined that he could win. That meant much of this this self-dealing while he was running for president would have just gone away if he'd lost. And maybe he would have gotten his hotels and his billions of dollars worth of business in Russia, Saudi Arabia, wherever else. He never thought he would win. And so while those of us on the left keep constantly being reminded, we need to not be condescending towards Trump voters. We need to treat them nicely. No wonder they don't like us because we treat them so nastily. You know who treats them worse than we do? The people they vote into power. This is absolutely contemptuous of Trump voters. Who it turns out are more contemptible than even Trump and the Republican Party could ever have imagined. They never thought there'd be enough absolute jackasses to vote this piece of shit into power. And yet, here we are. Donald Trump, criminal, president of the United States. Why else would he think he could get away with this? Look at how close he was to getting away with this. Look at how remarkably close. Look at how angry he is about Jeff Sessions and finally able to fire Jeff Sessions because he, did, he, he recused himself from the investigation instead of ending the investigation. If they had been able to squash the special counsel, and they may yet. Trump would have gotten away with this. He still might get away with this. He still may fire the special counsel. The special counsel may very well come out and is expected if he gets to finish his job, will come out with a report detailing many, many ways by which the president of the United States is a criminal. Will it matter for Trump voters? Will it matter for Republicans in the Senate? How overwhelming need this evidence be for Donald Trump to actually still pay a price for this? What made him think he can get away with this? He still may get away with it, despite this confluence of events that have made it more difficult. But not only do we find out from this that Donald Trump is a criminal, we already knew that. If we were paying any attention at all, as I've noted many times in this show, he's tweeted out admissions to federal crimes. But here we're really seeing, we've talked about in the show in the past, the idea of compromise from Russia. How Russia's big on basically blackmailing people around the world to get them to do Russia's business. And we've long asked the question of how much compromise Vladimir Putin has on Donald Trump. Well, we now know with pretty much certainty that he's got a good deal of compromise on Donald Trump. Because 
One of the things that Cohen's testimony has confirmed again for us is that Trump has repeatedly lied, including on the campaign trail, about his business ties to Russia and about his efforts to promote business ties with Russia in order to get elected. Soon we will find out for sure, of course, about his ties to WikiLeaks and Russia interference in the election. But at this point, we know that he's been lying and lying on the campaign trail about his business ties with Russia. Do you know who else knows that he's been lying about his business ties with Russia? Vladimir Putin knew that Trump has been lying about his business ties with Russia. That's compromise. That, again, kind of dots the I's and crosses the T's as far as why Trump has so been Putin's bitch. Well, President, we've speculated. There's been enough information. We've known that Putin has had something on this guy. But now, Donald Trump's conciliary, his right-hand man, has testified in court that the President of the United States, in effect, was Putin's bitch, is Putin's bitch. Way to go, Trump supporters. Good job. Thank you. Watergate has been back in the news a lot. There have been podcasts about Watergate. There's been TV specials about Watergate. A lot of Watergate prosecutors have been on TV. It's talking heads. And it is absolutely remarkable when one looks back at what happened in Watergate at the similarities between those two things, between then and now. Starting with the extent to which an absolute disgraceful Republican Party with basically no interest in law and order and simply circling ranks around its chosen leader has done everything it could to prevent the American public from knowing that the President of the United States is a criminal, and in this case, is in hock to a foreign power. We look back on Watergate and think, well, it was a better time because Republicans came out against the president. Well, turns out Republicans only came out against the president when things were so bad, when the truth was so obvious that they really had no choice but to jump ship. Many of them, by the way, back in political power right now. Some of them back in our government right now. At some point during Watergate, the evidence was so overwhelming that even the American public, the Republican voting American public, lost faith in Richard Nixon and felt he needed to go. Not all of it, but enough of it. And now we have to look at Trump supporters, the walking brain dead, and ask ourselves, is it possible to come to that point today? It seems obvious now that over the next few weeks, we are going to be facing this same question. In the face of overwhelming and incontrovertible evidence that the president is a criminal, the president is in league with a hostile foreign power, we're actually asking ourselves, are there a few Trump supporters who would be willing to let reality affect their decision-making here? Let me be clear, I haven't called them fucking morons. Fucking morons. 
So as long as we're on the topic of responsibility, Republican style, climate change. That's right. The White House released its climate report, the one that's required under law for the last 25 years or so. And it turns out, and who could have seen this one coming? There is such a thing as climate change, and it's going to suck. In fact, it's already sucking. That's right. When our own government does a comprehensive climate change report, the President of the United States, well, buries it. Because (laughs) this is an administration and a political party in which facts and reason don't matter. Truth doesn't matter. So first they come out and they announce the, the existence of the report as they had to do on the Friday after Thanksgiving to make sure it got as little coverage as possible. And yet, of course, this was a big enough story that it got coverage anyway. So Donald Trump says, yeah, I know that this is what our scientists are saying, but I don't believe it anyway because I can choose to do that because I'm a Republican. And I don't have to worry about truth and science. I know what's real because I've pulled it out of my own ass. And so his supporters, of course, must be out there going, yeah, yeah, that's right. You show those scientists through thing or toe as the water approaches their wastes. Responsibility Republican style. We're destroying the planet. Whatever, we're making money off of it, so who gives a shit? Yeah, sorry, Samuel Nathan, this is the kind of thing you're not supposed to blame me for. We're trying here. Anyway, we thought that uh, we were pretty much done with the 2018 midterm elections. Uh, Turns out, no, still going on. In fact, actually, as I started preparing for this week's show, I thought that I was going to finish my election coverage by talking about the Mississippi Senate race, which happened, the results of which happened this week. It turns out, as we'll talk about in a moment, nope, we're still ongoing. But anyway, in that Mississippi Senate race, Cindy Hyde-Smith, the Republican, eked out a narrow victory by about nine percentage points, which in Mississippi is really narrow. Well, let's start with the good news. Cindy Hyde-Smith is the first woman elected to the Senate from Mississippi, maybe to to statewide office, I'm not sure. But the first woman something from Mississippi, which is really exciting and would be a little less exciting if she wasn't, in fact, the 127th consecutive racist elected to the Senate from Mississippi and probably to Mississippi statewide office. Well, okay, you take your victories where you can get them. Yes, it probably was helpful to Ms. Hyde-Smith that the Donald went out stumping for her and pointed out that a win for Espy, her opponent, who it turns out happened to be a black guy, would be a win for Schumer and Pelosi. Or, you know, as it was translated in Mississippi, a win for the Jew and the bitch. That's right. So... Okay, we'll take victories where we can, I suppose. Cindy Hyde-Smith made some very good points about the media not letting her talk about the issues. Well, it turns out the media did let her talk about the issues, which was somewhat of a problem, like when she had to cover up her performance in the one debate 
She was put to where it was clear she had absolutely no idea what the hell she was talking about. It's not the media, apparently, that won't let her talk about the issues. It's her having absolutely no idea about the issues. Well, it turns out the issues that the media wouldn't let her talk about is she wants to spend billions of dollars building a border wall. This from one of the poorest American states for since basically Reconstruction. She wants to spend more money on the United States military because after all, if there's one thing Mississippi has, it's too much school spending. She's against the Affordable Care Act. Yes, once again, Mississippi, people in Mississippi, if there's one thing that, that they really don't need, it's, uh, it's health care. Uh, tax cuts, yeah, big supporter of those. Uh, boy, all the things that don't really serve the people of Mississippi very well, do they? Turns out, in fact, that the media wanted to talk about the fact that Cindy Hyde-Smith was apparently a racist and a segregationist. You know, that joke about, or that comment about wanting to be in the front row of the next public hanging? Ooh, forgot for a moment that Mississippi has a long history of lynchings? Probably didn't forget that at all. You know, her jokes about voter suppression? Ha 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 ha, preventing black people from voting. That's a funny one. Ha ha ha, who could have ever confused her for being racist? The fact that she went to a segregated high school? Well, that doesn't mean that she's racist or anything. It's just, you know, the things that she says that make her a racist. And in fact, that's what Cindy Hyde-Smith had going for her. We are reminded. The media won't let her talk about the issues? The only way Cindy Hyde-Smith was going to win this election is if all they talked about was the fact that she was a bigot and a white supremacist. Because after all, this is Mississippi. I was reminded, talking about affirmative action in one of my classes the other day, I was reminded we've just passed the 10-year anniversary of where the high school in Charleston, Mississippi, held its first racially integrated prom. That's right, I said 10, not 50. 10-year anniversary of the high school in Charleston, Mississippi, holding its first racially integrated prom. Turns out they only did that because the actor Morgan Freeman is a Charleston native and offered to pay for the entire senior prom for everybody as long as they integrated it. Well, at least they took him up on his offer. Turns out, however, he'd been making that offer for a good 10 years while they were turning it down because a free prom that was integrated was way worse than paying for your own whites only prom. Something that at least as of a few years ago, by the way, many white students in that high school were still doing. Yes, unfortunately in Mississippi, being a racist is not a bug. It's a feature. Am I being particularly hard on Mississippi? With all due respect, I'm tired of having to be nice to people who are always leading to me having a worse life. I am reminded of the fact that Mississippi's 3 million person population will be represented by two United States senators, one of whom, Cindy Hyde-Smith, will represent 1.5 million people in Mississippi in the United States Senate. Each New York senator will represent 10 million people. Each California senator, about 20 million people. 
So as long as Mississippi gets to remain overrepresented and screw up this country in the United States Senate, at the very least I should get to make fun of them for who they are. Speaking of making fun of Mississippi, I'm also reminded that Mississippi receives three times as much in federal spending as it contributes to the federal government. Three to one. That makes Mississippi the American welfare recipient. Do you know who has it the exact opposite? Who gives way more to this country than we get back in return? Liberal states, blue states, New York, California. And yet, that doesn't stop Mississippi from railing about our willingness to take and us being a bunch of takers. Anyway, I thought that was sort of going to be the end of the electoral news, almost the end of the electoral news. But now it turns out, I can't believe I have to say this, it turns out we finally, after all these years, have discovered evidence of voter fraud. That's right. It turns out a North Carolina congressional district that had been called weeks ago is now back in play because they have discovered what appears to be extensive voter fraud. Finally, I'm man enough, when I'm wrong about something, I can admit it. Because we have frequently ridiculed the Republican argument in favor of voter fraud, that there was voter fraud. Well, I'm man enough to admit a mistake, which I didn't make here, of course, because this was not the voter fraud that the Republicans are talking about. This was, in fact, apparently Republican voter fraud, tampering with absentee ballots to change voting results in an election that was won by about 900 votes by the Republican candidate, but in fact may have been stolen. I'm sure we'll have more on this one in future weeks. Let, let's end our discussion of elections on a positive note here for a couple of minutes. One of the positive things with the past election is to see what happened in Maine. Maine utilized instant runoff or now being called ranked choice voting. It is a different method of voting. We have talked about long ago on this show. Only our most most faithful listeners may remember that we talked about it. So I want to explain instant runoff or ranked choice voting again. Because this has the promise of really doing a lot of good for voting in the United States of America, for democracy in America. Obviously, normally when we vote, we vote for one candidate, or at least think we do, and put put the vote in and hope the machine counts it. And whoever gets the most votes generally wins. If there are more than two candidates, the person winning may win with 40% of the vote. The vote being split among three people. Obviously, less as you have more candidates. With instant runoff or ranked choice voting, it doesn't work that way. In order to win, you have to get 50% ultimately from voters. Now, it does this in a way by asking people not to vote for just one candidate but to actually rank the candidates running in order. So if there are four candidates running, you would rank one, two, three, and four. And at the first count of voting, you count all of the number one, the first place finishes. If nobody gets 50% of the vote, you look to the candidate who received the fewest votes. You then take that candidate out of the running and you look to see who scored second place on all the ballots where people voted for that candidate. 
And then you distribute those votes to whoever those voters listed as number two. If that gets one of the candidates to 50%, the election is over. If not, you do the same thing with the next lowest ranked candidate. In the case of four, you'd go to candidate number three and you would take that person's votes, the per, all the people who voted for that person, and you would look to see who they voted for second. And you would distribute those votes until you got someone who got 50%. Now, yes, the obvious problem here is what are you going to do in Florida where people can't even manage to vote for one person and get it right when they're supposed to list? But once we figure out a way to actually manage to get the American voter to understand how the election occurs, what this means, among other things, is it possibly helps lessen the stranglehold held by our major political parties in elections. People don't vote for third-party candidates. People in 2000, for instance, like me, didn't vote for Ralph Nader, not because we didn't think he might be a great choice, but because we didn't want to waste our vote because there was no way he was going to win. Well, third-party candidates, people can actually vote for them if they actually like those candidates, without worrying that it will throw the election to somebody else. Because you list your second favorite candidate second, and if your third party candidate really does lose badly, then your second place vote will go to the person you want anyway. That is, of course, why they're, one of the reasons why there is such reluctance to allow instant runoff or ranked choice voting in this country. It is clearly a better system. Without doubt, it is a better system. And it is almost it is uh, implemented almost nowhere in America. Why? Because who gets to decide how voting works in America? The Democratic and the Republican Party. And anything that lessens their stranglehold on elections is something that's going to be a no-go. Well, maybe, just maybe, there is some evidence that the American voter wants a better system, wants better choices, wants more choices which this new voting method would allow and enable. So write to your congressman or whoever else, send some emails, and let them know that you want to know why instant, choice, instant runoff or ranked choice voting isn't something that's being utilized in your area. Finally, before we leave today, lots more to discuss, which we won't get to. But big in the news this week was that the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court has come out and castigated the President of the United States, Donald Trump. The partisan Republican Chief Justice John Roberts has come out and castigated his own president from his own political party for having referred to judges who ruled against him in an immigration, in, in the latest immigration saga as being Obama judges, leading the Chief Justice to come out and stand up for the integrity of the United States judiciary. There are no Obama judges, he said. Or, if I may quote, we do not have Obama judges, or Trump judges, Bush judges, or Clinton judges, said the Chief Justice. What we have is an extraordinary group of dedicated judges doing their level best to do equal right to those appearing before them. 
wonderful and inspiring words that we should all get behind if they were true. The problem here is, and I'm going to leave to show how independent and fair I am, with a positive about Donald Trump. The fact is, in this battle with the Chief Justice, he gets it more right than Roberts does. Who the fuck does Roberts think he's kidding? Does Roberts want to explain why the Republicans held the Supreme Court vacancy open for a year in order to get their own guy in? Does Roberts want to explain the unbelievable partisanship in filling our federal judiciary? The fact that when Republicans control the Senate and we have a Democratic president, they basically will confirm no justices to our federal courts. And then when there's a Republican Senate, a Republican presidency, they rush to fill every vacancy. Does he want to explain why this is the case? What he said, frankly, is so blatantly stupid and so full of shit and self-serving, it's offensive. What's scary is the extent to which Trump and the GOP don't understand the extent to which Roberts is once again carrying their water, just like he did in the Obamacare decision that they excoriated him for, but which did wonders to promote Republican interests by upholding Obamacare and limiting the Commerce Clause reach, as we talked about a few weeks ago at length. No, in fact, this is wonderful for Roberts. As the GOP continues to fill our federal judiciary with right-wing hacks, with political hacks, rather than actual independent-minded judges. And yes, I'm speaking to you, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, Samuel Alito, John Roberts. While we continue to fill our judiciary with Republicans, Republican judges who are more concerned about promoting GOP politics than about faithfully enforcing the law. This gives him insulation. See, I stood up for an independent judiciary. You can't pick on one side without picking on both sides. It's brilliant to the extent that it provides insulation for Republican cynicism. That being said, Trump isn't really right either because it's also not to be forgotten that while all judges reflect in their decisions, their political outlook. It's simply way worse with Republicans than it is with Democrats. It is, in fact, Democratic or liberal or moderate judges who've shown way more propensity to actually independently apply the law and faithfully apply the law, regardless of what the outcome is, than Republican judges, as many studies have indicated. Anyway, lots more to discuss, but that's our time for this week. We will get back to you next week. As always, thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening and staying informed. Please do check us out on social media. Please do share us and our links with your friends. Please help us spread the word, Forward Nation Radio. Thanks a lot. See you next week. been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 